Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Behind the scenes at Coffee with Kareem. You like Coffee with Kareem podcast? You love Coffee with Kareem podcast? Number 5, Episode 48, Why Are You Atheist? With Hamza Andreas Sorces. Number 4, Episode 47, Consciousness is Spirit with Dr. Muhammad Ghilan. Number 3, Episode 43, Approaching Islamic Psychology with Dr. Abdullah Rothman. And number 2, The New Year's Episode for 2019, Tools to Maximize Time and Productivity. Well, I'm going to call you guys out on that. We'll see how much of you have really implemented those tools. It's already been a year now. We're in 2020. And the number one episode for 2019, episode 56, Religious or Spiritual, with Imam Jamal Diwan. Lovely discussion that was. All of them were. I wanted to just say thank you to all my guests. Let's take a look at our top five cities and countries for 2019. Top five cities. Number five, Birmingham. United Kingdom. Number four, Chicago, Illinois. Number three, London, United Kingdom. Number two, Toronto, Canada. And number one, fascinating. This is fascinating. I mean, I think last year it was uh, some place in California, right? San Jose or San Francisco. Uh, and then, you know, this city just came out of nowhere and they've, they've got like double the plays of even Toronto, Canada. And this is Jamaica. No, not Jamaica. Jamaica. Like Jamaica, man. But Jamaica, New York. New York. So, you know, whoever's out there, um, I don't know if it's one person obsessively listening to the episodes, but <laughs> but thank you for whoever's listening to, uh, you know, Coffee with Kareem out there in Jamaica, New York. You guys got number one this year for top cities around the world. So... Thank you for whatever fan base is going on out there. Keep me in your du'a. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Five countries for 2019. Number five, Arabia. Number four, Australia. Number three, Canada. Number two, United Kingdom. And number one, the United States of America. And uh, special thanks to my patrons who have been supporting the podcast and helping it stay alive and brewing. And thank you for all the listeners, wherever you are. Let's get into today's topic, which is how to begin the new year better. So let's start with the first and most important resource, which we've discussed in New Year's 2019 episode, which is time. Time, 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 time. I don't got time. I need to make time. Ah, oh, subhanAllah, time flies. Here we are, one year later. Time is the most valuable resource you have, ladies and gentlemen. You can't buy more of it. You can't buy back the time you've already used. You can't buy it from anybody else that doesn't want to use it properly. And you don't know how much time you have left. This is a fact. Our life is measured by breaths, not days or weeks or paychecks. What did we do with our time in 2019? 
I suggested to people to make a little table of the days of the week and um, hours, so rows and columns. So you can really just take a look at how you're spending every hour of the day. And I invite everybody to do a one week challenge where for seven days to write down Monday through Sunday, just for one week, just check it out, look at it and be utterly honest with yourself uh, and write it down, really. Just be like, hey, you know, I watched two hours of TV last night. Uh, I did uh, one hour in the shower, one hour, you know, flossing. I mean, one hour in traffic, whatever it is, and just see how it all adds up and really look at that. Because think about it, ladies and gentlemen, if one day we will watch our whole lives, uh, when we meet Allah Azza wa Jal and there is this ultimate divine accountability and karma, this is what's going to happen. So what the heck do I really want to watch or see there, really? Uh, I don't know how, I mean, I'm already terrified of, of what I'm going to see because I know there's things that I don't want to watch with Allah uh, as an audience, even though he's already watching us here and he's already closest to us than our jugular vein. But, you know, take the seven day challenge and check it out. See how you're using your hours just for one week. And think about it, you know, people who have done this exercise share with me that it's such a big eye opener. They realize, you know, 15 hours a week is wasted on YouTube or 20 hours a week is wasted on social media. I mean, really, for what? For what, you know? Uh, and subhanAllah, you know, there's so much time that we lose and waste every single year. And we have to really face that because when it hits you, just like when you do accounting, your expenses for your home, you may realize, wow, we like waste like $800 a month or $2,000 a month on just nonsense and silly purchases. All of a sudden you can, you know, become a lot wealthier because you cut out all that fat in your life. And this is what I invite everybody to do this year, just like I did last year, is look at your time, how you're using your time, manage your time. It's the most important thing you have. You can't make more money. You can't have more, you know, fun uh, dinners. You can't watch anything. If your time is up, your life is finished. So let's make the most of it, inshallah, bi'idhnillah. The importance of sincerity. And sincerity is, in my estimation, uh, the crown of all virtues. It's the essence of your consciousness. It's, you know, the essence of any uh, good deed or good act. You know, as the Prophet ﷺ reminded us, that your actions are shaped by your intentions. And so your intentions are what exactly? They are the internal voice or force or drive uh, that makes you want to do what you're going to do. But let's take sincerity and really unpack it here uh, from my understanding in an Islamic psychological context and why this really matters to improve your personality overall this year, inshallah. So ikhlas, which is the word often used in as sincerity, uh, comes from khalas, which means to clarify or pure or to keep unmixed. In other words, you want it to be really clear and clean and unmixed. Uh, so for instance, I don't go to pray Isha because I just like when people see me at the masjid or I like when people say, oh, I haven't seen you in a while or I have, I see you every night, mashallah. Or there could be another reason like, oh, I want to go because I want to talk, talk to the president about how I should give the khutbah next Friday and blah, blah, blah. I mean, 
Sincerity is not that, in my understanding. Sincerity is about doing things for the right reasons, for the right value, and wanting to get that value from the right source. So three questions to always ask yourself around whether or not you're sincere or the checklist is, why am I doing this act? Why am I doing this act? What value do I want from this act? What's the value exchange? And three, from whom or from where do I expect or want this value to come from? Let's look at these three questions in a couple of examples. And specifically, when I'm, we're talking about ikhlas today and sincerity, we're talking more so about our religious, humanistic uh, matters, right? It's because this is where it really, really matters and where a lot of damage and unhealthy behaviors happen in our communities. So I'll give you a simple example. Let's say I want to organize a, you know, volunteer a Quran circle for kids at my local masjid. And I just show up one day with a sign and I'm like, hey, I'm going to start doing this on Sundays at these times and let your kids come sit with me and I'm going to teach them Quran because this is good for the community. It's good for the kids and we have to learn Quran. Sounds nice on the surface, right? But what if I'm a guy who just shows up and basically starts doing whatever I want at a masjid or at a center? Uh, I don't go through the proper channels of, you know, the board or discussing, you know, arranging things with the event coordinator of the masjid and so on and so forth, right? What's missing here is there isn't consideration or courtesy uh, of the organization or the space that I want to use for this seemingly good cause. Uh, another example could be, I want to be uh, a person who uh, gives the khutbah at the masjid because I don't think other people are as smart or knowledgeable as me. And there are people who have actually done this. You know, why is this guy giving the khutbah? I should be giving the khutbah and so on and so forth. I mean, that's not sincere, obviously. A couple of signs to know whether you're sincere besides asking these three questions is if I don't get to manifest the seemingly good act that I have been internally driven to do, right? This my niya, my intention. Do I take it personally? Do I get very angry? Do I get resentful? Do I get spiteful and vengeful? Do I go make a stink now? This has to happen now. Quran is Allah's words and I'm the one who's going to teach them and I'm the one who's this and that. I mean, we know how this goes, right? That's not sincerity, ladies and gentlemen. And you're certainly not doing it for the right reasons if you take it very personally and you actually create more uh, risk for sins and bad behavior and adab with people because of your seemingly good motivation or intention to teach kids Quran. You see how it doesn't add up? Another example is I've heard people say, I want to go study Islam to serve my community and heal them and fix them of their problems because they're so ignorant, right? They don't know anything. And like, I'm going to go and study Islam and come back and fix it. Again, the intention seems like it's good, but this is actually a, a delusion, a deluded state, you know? Um, or people who are like, I want to become a Islamic speaker or a famous Islamic public speaker or activist or what have you for this quote-unquote cause. Again, another sign is, if you're sincere or not, are you maintaining and monitoring virtuous Islamic etiquette, adab, and process in pursuit of whatever intention or good deed you think you're about to manifest here, 
right? So the fact that I think I will go study and I am basically responsible or will, you know, control the state of my community if I go study Islam and come back and teach everybody and fix it, that's a type of self-righteousness and arrogance and delusion right there. Because Hidayah comes from Allah Azza wa It doesn't come from me or you. We might be lucky enough or fortunate enough that Allah you know, allows somebody to get some guidance or insight from our actions and speech. Okay, so we don't want to go out of our way and try to be some type of, you know, Muslim celebrity or Muslim savior for others, because that is a delusion to think you are that person or you can be that person, even though you think you're doing something religious, you know, like I want to become a speaker or a teacher or this or that. First of all, if you are a teacher or a scholar or an imam, and this is something that happens over time. Alhamdulillah, that's your calling. You know, I'm not against people having these positions, of course. I mean, I study with imams and teachers uh, a lot, you know, and respect that. But as we know, the differences between someone who, quote-unquote, deserves it versus someone who's deluded in their entitlement or that it's like any other job, like I'll go get a master's in engineering and become a mechanical engineer, it's not that simple when it comes to religious matters or service, especially if you want to make it, you know, a business, so to speak. The difference between a real scholar and a, you know, I want to say like a corporate scholar or teacher or speaker or whatever, is that a person who wants to study Islam should only do it because they really want to get closer to Allah, right? The main reason in my estimation to understand or study Islam is to get closer to Allah for yourself and your family, you know, your immediate family. It's not about lofty goals of when I get this degree, I'm going to come back and do this and do that and do a tour of speeches and get invited to these conferences. And that's not what it should be driving you. Because again, why are we doing this? For what value? And from where or from whom do we want the value? Do we want the value and from whom to be a thousand people clapping for us at a conference? Or a thousand people liking our you know, photo on Instagram or our quote of how, or a picture of me praying somewhere and with a sunset. I mean, is that the value I'm looking for? Or is it for Allah And the way we do it for Allah is we have to live up to what I call, what I call island Islam. Island Islam. In other words, if I'm on a deserted island by myself, there's nobody to listen to my lectures, my podcasts, to, you know, talk to, to observe my social media pages or whatever. How is that going to affect my practice? You know, it's just me and Allah on this island. I'm trying to survive day to day, you know, cracking coconuts, trying to catch fish. You know, some days I won't eat at all. Waiting for rainfall to, to capture in hollowed out coconuts that I have so I can drink and stay hydrated and alive. Yet, how is my five daily prayers going to look? How's my connection and talk therapy with Allah going to sound? Will I be talking to God out loud? Will I be relating to Allah as if he is the only companion I have on the island? And he's all that matters? This is island Islam. And this is a mentality. If I'm trying to practice my deen and connect with the divine purely for the divine, without any other reasons that are out there, like my family, the community, the Muslim community, other Muslims, whatever, that's island Islam. I don't care if there's anybody there listening to me. 
the only witness I need is Allah Azza wa Jal in my own soul. So, and some of the ulama have said that finding pleasure in worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal, connecting, relating, talking to God, is more satisfying to the soul than anything else or any other pleasure, that's a sign of a sound and sincere heart. And may Allah make us from those people, because I ain't there. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding myself first in this show. So if you're on an island, you know, the main pleasure, entertainment and joy or thing to look forward to is going to be what? To maybe eat something so you can survive. And it's going to be in worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal and connecting and relating to Him as your true and only companion. Take Surah Al-Qaf, chapter 50, verse 16. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وَلَقَدْ خَلَّقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ وَنَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسُهُ وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the meaning, and we have already created humankind or man or the human being and know what his and her soul whispers to him or herself. And we are closer to him and her than his jugular vein. Jugular vein. A few times before at some of the workshops uh, you know, I've done on the ground, I had people do this exercise and I invite everybody to do this at home. You know, go to a family member and put your chin on their shoulder from behind. Like kind of put your arms around them, you know, like you're giving them a, a hug from the back and put your chin on their shoulder. So you're kind of resting it there. You're very, very close to this person. And when I've done this, I've done it at, you know, public forums. So I'll usually get someone from the audience who doesn't know me. And it's, you know, highly awkward. <laughs> but I do this in front of people. And I'm like, bro, I can, you know, I can smell your cologne. I, sometimes I can even smell, you know, some of the food that they ate before the talk. They start to get a little nervous. I can actually feel their body temperature rising because this is kind of an, a very uncomfortable space for them. I got my arms around them, my chin on their shoulder. And they even sometimes they start sweating, right? And they're laughing about it the whole time we're doing this in front of people. I said, how uncomfortable are you? They say, I'm very uncomfortable. I said, how, is this too close for comfort? He's like, yeah, too close. And he said, you know, I said, what would happen if I stayed like this for five minutes? He said, it would be, it would be tough for me. I said, okay, imagine if I stayed locked around you like this with my chin on your shoulder for a whole day, like an experiment. You know, the guys usually say, you know, I don't, I can't do that. You know, in fact, I would probably shove you off me or elbow you to the nose or something, you know, get you off of me at some point. I said, yeah, subhanAllah, I'm so close. It's so uncomfortable. It's way too much. And yet I still don't know what you think. I don't know what's in your heart. I have no clue about your internal landscape other than what is clear from your behaviors and actions or, you know, nonverbal cues, as well as actually what you say to me. And every single time people are struck by this example or this exercise, like subhanAllah, this guy is so close. It's so uncomfortable. I just, you know, I've never had someone feel that close to me. And yet they still don't know my thoughts or what I'm thinking or feeling. This is how close Allah Azza wa Jal is. This is why this idea of the jugular vein is so powerful. Other verses of the Qur'an where Allah reminds us, chapter 33, verse 51. God knows what's in your hearts and God is all-knowing and clement. Chapter 29, verse 10. What does God not know best? What is in the breasts of all the world's inhabitants? In other words, you know, you think God doesn't know what's going on with everybody? Of course He does. 
chapter 27, verse 25. He knows what you conceal and what you proclaim. He knows what you conceal and what you proclaim. So the, the game is on us, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the game is on us. Allah says, I know what you, what you conceal and what you reveal. I know what you think. I know what you feel. And I know what you admit to yourself, what you don't admit to yourself, and what you admit or share with others and what you don't. This is the fact. We are completely naked, transparent, exposed to Allah Azza wa There's nothing there hidden from Allah Azza wa right? It's all a self-ascribed, you know, mechanism when we live in our own denial or we play games and tricks on others or you keep trying to lie uh, in order to protect the false narrative you have constructed in yourself, right? Uh, all of these things are the opposite of sincerity. And some of the other signs of the opposite of sincerity is riya. Riya is when we do things to show off. You know, we do good deeds to show off. Like the other examples I gave earlier, you know, it's like the person who, you know, claims they want to uh, serve the community. And then when they're not able to do it the way they want, when they want, how they want, immediately, you know, they cause a big problem, right, at the mosque local masjid. There's rebellion, there's political tension, there's, you know, I'm going to create a little group with pitchforks and we're going to show up to the halakha that's supposed to be, you know, the time when I do something and I'm going to make a big fuss. And basically they're hijacking and taking away from the benefit and value of people spending time at the masjid, creating, you know, disconnect and fragmentation amongst the community. This person is not sincere. It's like, dude, if you're really doing it for the sake of Allah, you're not going to put in more energy to put up a fight and be spiteful and create, you know, a disconnect in your community and separation because you want to teach a Quran class or you want to give a khutbah or you want to, you know, do this or recommend that for your local community. That's not sincerity. Most of the time it's riyah. It's me trying to show off to in the name of Islam and look at my religiosity and look at my lovely cause that I should have people undeniably accept and fulfill. And if they don't, I'm going to give them hell. That's not sincerity. That's riyat. It's a type of riyat. It's a type of arrogance and self-righteousness and delusion. And then, of course, there's the basic riyat, which is something the Prophet ﷺ warned us about. He said, this is a minor shirk that I fear for my ummah because he knows this is going to happen. Which is when we do things for religious credit, right? Spiritual materialism. Look at me, mashallah. I pray every day here, or I do this, or I recite a Quran, or there's an announcement that I'm now hafiz, or mashallah, he's going to go do this, or she's going to do that. Or look at how many this and that I've done. Or we use it to show off in front of other people. Oh, my husband, mashallah, he does this and he's a famous speaker. Oh, mashallah, my child, they have the Quran memorized. Or my daughter, mashallah, she gives all this charity and helps all these this and that. You know, that's all part of riyah. You have to be very, very careful. Now, there's a difference between validating and praising good things, right? Which even that is tricky. Because if a person enjoys that validation too much, it can put a test of riya and arrogance in their heart, right? And take away the sincerity uh, of their intentions for continuing to do these good things, okay? One of the other opposite signs of sincerity is, of course, nifaq. And nifaq is important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, because from my work, people often assume that if I commit sins, I must be a hypocrite, all right? No, 
that's a little too uh, extreme. And there's we have a history of people who thought like that in our ummah, like for example the Khawarij. Uh, you know, if you commit a sin, a major sin, it takes you out of Islam. That's not our understanding uh, in orthodoxy and um, Sunni Islam. So some people, you know, think that if they commit major sins, it's equivalent to hypocrisy. No, nifaq comes from the meaning, it means to, it actually means to sell out, which is really interesting. It's like you sell yourself out, you, you're, you, you, you sell your soul out, or you make a sale that you as a person are a particular brand or product when you're actually not, right? So the, the munafiqeen of Medina, this is something Allah refers to in the Quran. And He teaches us about them because these are people that outwardly show up at the masjid and smile and Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And they pray. And oh yes, I'm going to give money for this. And oh yes, we need to do this in the name of Islam. And oh yes. And then as soon as they go home, they're talking trash. They're trying to kill the Prophet. You know, assassination attempts. When are we going to get rid of these people? I'm tired of prostrating like a dog, like a camel. We got to get get destroy these people. That's hypocrisy, right? It's when you come in one door and you go out the back door. Right? You don't come in and out of the same door. In other words, there's no consistency in your claims and your actions. Right? But again, this is about you fundamentally at your core oppose what you're outwardly doing. In other words, you pretend to be Muslim in your family's house because everyone is Muslim, but you're actually an atheist or you worship the devil or you don't give a you know, you don't care about any of it. That's uh, being munafiq or falling into that category. Committing sins but knowing it's wrong. Even though you keep doing it, that's just you being a sinner. Doesn't mean you're a munafiq, right? It's like, no, I believe this is wrong. I hate the fact that I drink every weekend, or I commit zina, or I watch porn, or I constantly backbite, you know, everybody in the community. That's a sin that I know is wrong. But I'm just, I'm weak and I keep doing it. The problem is, is if you keep doing a sin and you no longer feel remorse, or you feel like there is that itch in your heart to make tawbah, then you are definitely going into a red zone. So that's something to keep in mind. But these are some of the opposite signs of whether or not you're sincere. If you have riyah, you don't feel any pain or guilt or shame when you do commit sins. And of course, if you are a munafiq or you are clearly in opposition of your outward actions. Internally, you are completely opposite or believe or, or think the opposite of what you're doing on the outside and what you're selling to the outside. Right? It's like having a, a, you know, a closet atheist who is an imam at your masjid or something like that. Like the guy really doesn't believe in any of this. He just sees it as a business. He's like, well, I have a job. I have a house. So I'm going to keep doing, you know, putting on the show for everybody because that's what these people want me to do. And I happen to know all this stuff. So I'm just going to distribute it out like a product. Here you go. Here's a slam. Here's a khutbah. Here's some themes from the Quran. You know, where's my paycheck? I don't believe in any of this. It's all, you know, nonsense. That's a munafiq. And naturally, part of sincerity and ikhlas is to have taqwa of Allah Azawajal. Taqwa of Allah. And this is translated as having God consciousness, God weariness, uh, piety, uh, fearfulness of Allah Azawajal, uh, being very cautionary in your moves, your thoughts, your, your you know, how you do things. Uh, when you look at the word in the Arabic dictionaries, you have the sense of, you know, you're wearing a very nice garment of clothing. And you're walking through a rose garden, right? It's like you, you're very cautious and careful 
not to get your clothes caught in anything, you know? Yet you have to make it through and you're still enjoying the smells and the sights and the, but you know there's a risk there. This is what it, life is like for the believer in this world, right? You have to be very cautious and kind of, you know, squiggle your way through things sometimes because you don't want to harm yourself or disobey Allah along the way. And this is difficult. Taqwa is about trying to access and bring yourself into a greater presence of Allah Azza wa Jal. Because this is sincerity and taqwa and ihsan is all the, these are all powerful key concepts and realities that feed off of each other. So if I want to have more taqwa of Allah and be more sincere of, with Allah Azza wa Jal, this also requires me to know more about Allah Azza wa Jal, right? How can, again, how can I love someone if I don't know anything about them, really, other than what they tell me I have to do. You know, there, there is not going to be too much intimacy there. And that's why, you know, mastering just the outward acts of Islam is not enough if it doesn't change your internal reality. And we also see this all the time. And this is why people also get, you know, a bad taste in their mouth. Right? It's like, well, this guy prays and has a beard or she has hijab and wears, you know, abaya, but, you know, their character is horrible. You know, even though they practice all the shari rules, right? Or at least some of them, because part of shari rule is to have good akhlaq and adab, for example. You know, lying is against sharia, backbiting is against sharia, and you need a good character and good state of heart to avoid such things. So it's not enough just to perform the, uh, the sale of, I appear religious, I appear as being good. And remember, I've said this before, there's a big difference between being good at appearing religious versus being religious, being in italics, right? It's a real existential path. I can't really be sincere if I don't have taqwa, and I can't have real taqwa if I don't have more knowledge and sincere effort to grow and understand the divine reality that I am here to realize and awaken to as my source, purpose, and return. One advice I have for people is talk to Allah Azza wa Jal. Free talk therapy with God. You don't need an appointment. He takes all insurance. He listens. He'll always answer. Allah, Allah Azza wa Jal will always answer. And look, I'm going to give you some simple examples that happened to me this year. And it, it just shows you how simple it is, but it's also about when you when you remember Allah, فَاذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرُكُمْ Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, when you remember me, I will remember you. And, and be grateful to me and thank me. And don't cover up your blessings. Don't be in denial, right? That's all part of kufr. Denial, being a liar to yourself, a liar to Allah and the divine reality and reality itself. This is all, all included in kafir mentality, kufr mentality. I'll give you a simple, you know, story, all right? So my son is transitioning from, uh, you know, using... Uh, using a stuffed animal when he sleeps, you know, I'm sure many parents have experienced this, like kids will either suck on their thumbs or they'll suck on a, a stuffed animal, like a bear's paw or something like this, right? And so my son was at a place where we wanted him to transition out of that because it was just not a good habit. It was, you know, very smelly, of course, all the saliva and bacteria and the stuffed animal. And he had a, a rabbit that he's had for years, like since he was a baby. So he had to go through this transition and basically, like, you know, we were helping him get over this first uh, dependency and, and uh, attachment to this um, little rabbit. 
The rabbit's name was Nana. We, you know, that was the name of the rabbit, Nana. So during this time, one of the ways I tried to, um, you know, compensate it was I would try to take walks with my son at night when I was finished work and before he would sleep to kind of help clear his head. And we're talking like he's two and a half, right, when this was happening earlier this year. And subhanAllah, this was around the time where Nana the rabbit, we were taking him away. We told our son, like, look, he's going to go be visiting his family for some time. He's not going to be around. So basically, you can't rely on him, you know. So we were transitioning him into this. And it was very difficult for him. SubhanAllah, I had the intention to take him for walks because I wanted to, you know, help him feel better and to connect with him, okay. So we're going for walks in my neighborhood. And... SubhanAllah, we're walking around the block and we find a, a real rabbit who is also the color gray, like his stuffed animal, in the front yard of one of these houses. And he's like, look, Baba, Nana, Nana. I was like, yeah, it looks like there is a Nana there and it's a real rabbit. And it, it was like, it was kind of one of those, it was a synchronicity, you know, SubhanAllah. I was like, wow, you know, talk about intention and voicing things to God and keeping things, you know, keeping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on your mind to do the things that you're going to do to help, you know, your child. And then there's this rabbit there, subhanAllah. So I was like, wow, that's such a beautiful coincidence. But, you know, there are no coincidences. There's only Allah. The next day we go for our walk, there's no rabbits. And my son was really, really upset. He's like, Baba, where's the rabbits? And I said, well, you know, sometimes they're in and out and they're like us, you know, they get scared and they run away and... There was no rabbits the next day and he was very upset and it was hard for him to sleep that night. And guess what? He kept asking for his stuffed animal Nana to come back and visit because he didn't see the rabbit outside. And so it made it harder for him to sleep that day. And it was tough. And I want to say like the third or fourth, uh, you know, day I, I went out for a walk with him. I specifically made a dua to Allah. I said, Allah, please, you know, it really helped my son to see the rabbits. Can you please... You know, if we're, you know, let us see a rabbit outside again like we did randomly that day in that front area. And I went to the same area we walked. And I'm not kidding. Guess what? There were two rabbits out that day. Two rabbits. And my son got really, really excited. I was like, subhanAllah, la ilaha Allah. Synchronicities manifest when you have that sincerity or you try to have that sincerity. You try to do things for the right reasons. You try to include Allah and participate with Allah on your mind and heart for whatever it is you're going to do. I'll give you another example that has to do with my son because there were, there were two good ones this year. So another thing was he's, you know, I take him to the park. And once in a while you have a kid who shows up, you know, those like huge cars that little kids can drive, like they're battery operated. It's like a little mini car for a child. My son would get obsessed when he saw this. Like he'd literally run and say, I want to ride with him. And the kid's just like, get away from me. You know, I don't know you. Again, we're talking two, three-year-olds. And my son threw a huge hissy fit, like crying and screaming. And like, it was like, I was the embarrassed parent at the park that day, right? And I remember just picking him up and holding him and, and patting his back. And, you know, and he loves cars and trucks and all that stuff. You know, he loves them. So this was a big torture for him. You know, the fact that he couldn't even ride with the kid. He couldn't, you know, enjoy it with him. And I just held my son that day. This was a totally other day, different time of the year. And I was patting him. And I remember distinctly also calling upon Allah. Yeah, Allah, please, you know, make it easy on, on my son and me. It's like, this is really embarrassing. It's hard for him. He doesn't understand. He's only two years old. 
You know, it's really hard for him to understand that he can't just hop into people's things and, and use them and ride with them and, and not everyone wants to be your friend. I mean, these things don't come across that easy. So I'm sitting with him on the bench. I'm patting him. He tries to feel a little better. Um, I put him in the swing and I start swinging him around. Now, the area that I live in, by the way, is not a metropolitan area. It's a, it's pretty much a suburb. It's one of those places where you, you know the faces at your park. It's familiar faces, all the families that live in your area. So I'm not kidding. This day, I saw a homeless man who I've never seen ever in the area that I live in. And I have been here for almost two years. Never seen this guy before. And I've never seen a homeless person in the area that I'm in, specifically in my neighborhood. It was really weird. And the first thing I thought is like, wait, who's, where's this guy coming from? You know, what does he want? You know, why is he coming here? He walks right up to me while I'm pushing my son on the swing. He says, excuse me, sir. I found this over here by the road and I figured it might belong to somebody in the park. But if not, you know, maybe you can take it and just give it to your, you know, your kid. This is a homeless man. And again, he looks homeless, right? The smell and everything. And guess what he's holding in his, his hand? Wallah al-Azim, he's holding a little car, like a little toy car, you know, the ones that are like, it's like very small, fits in the palm of your hand. That was the same color and the same type of car as the kid's car that my son wanted to jump into. Uh, Wallah al-Azim. I was like, thank you, sir. And I gave it to my son. My son was really happy. And even when that kid with the car, you know, he drives around the block and he comes back to the park. When he came back, my son didn't care because he was happy now he had his own little toy car. I was like, subhanAllah, who's this homeless guy? You know, really, who was he? Maybe he was somebody other than what he appeared. And again, I'm not claiming that I'm special. I'm just claiming that when you try to harness and be sincere with Allah Azawajal, interesting and fascinating and beautiful things happen like synchronicities. And as Allah promises us in the Quran, when you call upon me, I will answer, right? And this is Allah answers us in many ways and mysterious ways and ways you never expected. The key here, ladies and gentlemen, is if we're sincere, we try to have taqwa, we try to worship Allah as though we see him and be, you know, choose and respond to the things in our lives that are happening on a daily basis in the most excellent of ways. Right? This isn't, it's about doing the most excellent and beautiful things. And it's also about responding to challenges and difficulties in the most beautiful and excellent way. That's part of the meaning of that verse. Right? Why we created you, you have tests and tribulations to test you and see who's going to be most excellent in your amal. Amal includes actions and responses, right? Because a response is an action. I'm just trying to remind everybody here that these are just two small stories. I have bigger ones and more fascinating ones, but. You know, we'll save that for another time. Just to remind us all of how we have to consider being more sincere this year and every day, having more taqwa. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on your mind, guess what? He's you're on his mind, as he tells us. He remembers us. He will think of us. He will consider us and participate with us as we participate with our day-to-day -day life and challenges, no matter how small or large. So if this is something that I felt was an opening from Allah, the rabbit story and this car incident at the park, then what about the bigger things? This is my message, inshallah, to begin the new year better. Yeah, you know, have sincerity of Allah Azza wa Jal. You know, Allah commands us not to worship Him for any other reason except to be sincere. Not to try to be a good Muslim, a better Muslim or believer 
for other than the sake of Allah. Island Islam. Not for your spouse, not for your parents, not for the community, not to have some position or some role in your community or some false notion that I'm going to do these things for the community. No, you go do what you got to do for Allah and for yourself. If the people call you to give a khutbah, you're invited, then you can decide if you're going to take it. If you are asked to give a conference or a talk, then you can decide if you're going to take it. But that should not be the reason why you go study Islam or go invest in your religious matters. Really. That's not the reason. If you are a scholar or an imam or you are you know, a, a lecturer, it's because you should be chosen by the community or by the people based on your merit and your sincerity. And this is the point, is if you do it for Allah... Allah will raise you in the eyes of the people by default, right? You're doing it for Allah and lowering yourself for the sake of Allah. You're not going out of your way to try to sell yourself in this way, right? If you do that, Allah will naturally give you those roles or those invitations as He sees fit. Wallahu ta'ala alam, forgive me for any mistakes. It's from myself. If you got confused or misguided and anything that was of benefit or value is from Allah Azawajal. Sincere thanks to my patrons for keeping the show brewing. Thank you so much for your help and support and involvement. And join our community at patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa